Shalom Aleichem, everybody. Apologies for not having sent the audio note for Perak Yud chapter 10 yesterday. I was in full transit for the whole day across the world, coming to Eretz Yisrael. Thank God, now arrived safely. And so this recording is for both chapters 10 and 11. A number of years ago, I went to an exhibition at the British Museum on the holy texts of the world's religions, looking at how every religion from Buddhism, Sikhism, to Christianity and Islam, and of course Judaism, how they have related to their text, to their scriptures, and how they've presented them. And one of the things that jumped out about the Torah text, when we compare it to the holy texts of other religions, is that other religions have put great effort into the decoration or the illumination or the illustration or at least the calligraphy of the text and its material, the way in which the text is presented beyond just the words. By contrast, we as Jews have forever been so makpid, so severe, that the only thing that can appear on the scroll is the text itself. Nobody has ever seen a Sefer Torah which has got illustrations. Whether it's such a thing would immediately be pasul. Now, there is much to say about this. However, for our purposes today, all I want to draw our attention to is that at the intersection between our two chapters, at the verses which end chapter 10 before chapter 11 begins, we have the closest thing that the Torah has to a form of illustration. And that is the final verses of chapter 10. Famous verses which we say every week whenever the Aaron is opened. It was when the Aaron would travel. Moshe would say, Kuma Hashem, arise, O God, may your enemies be scattered. May those who hate you flee from you. And when it would rest, may God return the hundreds of thousands of Israel. Surrounding these two beautiful verses are two inverted nuns, two upside-down hanging letters, the letter nun of the alphabet, put in almost the margins, bracketing these verses. Nowhere else do we have anything like this whatsoever. And of course, their uniqueness screams out of the text at us, what are they doing there? And to answer that question, one needs to look at that which surrounds them at both chapters 10 and 11, because the movement from the beginning of chapter 10 to the end of chapter 11 is one of the most dramatic turning points of the book of Bamidbar. Bamidbar until now has been a book of order, of harmony, of census of the numbers of the tribes and the Levim surrounding the Mishkan in the centre of the formation of the camp, 
Our chapter, chapter 10, begins with the fashioning of the Chatzot the trumpet which will direct the movement of the Jewish people or which will be sounded in a time of war. It then goes on to describe the conversation between Moshe and his father-in-law, Moshe requesting that he stay, but Chovav saying that he needs to get home. And then finally we move. Verse 33 of that chapter, Hashem. They go, they travel from the mountain of God, Mount Sinai, for three days, with the ark of God traveling before them. They are finally on their way, moving towards the Holy Land. But chapter 11 sounds a completely different note. And it's a note which will continue for many chapters afterwards. There is no more harmony and order. All of this is shattered. And it is replaced instead with the most terrible of complaints, of tragedies. Chapter 11 begins, The people complain, this is evil in the ears of God. We're not even told really what their complaint is. We then go on to hear of this yearning for the delights that they had in Egypt. They say, We remember the fish that we had in Egypt, the great cucumbers at avatichim the watermelons the uh, the onions it's this astonishing sort of stockholm syndrome of remembering what it was like there how wonderful it was they seem to have forgotten the slavery but now our souls are dry and this causes moshe to have the most terrible um crisis of leadership in a hugely arresting image he says in verse 12 saying to god did i give birth to this people that you should say to me that i should carry them with me how can i carry them am i supposed to be like a wet nurse taking a young child who is breastfeeding how can i feed them this meat that they are requesting and god responds not by punishing them in the simple sense of the word, but rather in this sort of grotesque feeding of their desires, so much so, giving them so much meat that it is coming out of their noses. The chapter concludes with the prophecies of Eldad and Medad, seemingly a challenge to Moshe's leadership. And in the middle, dividing these two sections, the section that has been Bamidbar until now of harmony and progress and direction to what will be the story for really the next 10 chapters, that of a breakdown of the vision. We have these verses of Vayhi bin Soharon surrounded by the two inverted nuns. What are we to take from them? The Gemara in Shabbat, Masechet Shabbat, Dafkuftet Vav, tells us as follows. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu put these brackets around these verses to tell us that this is not their place. That in fact, this did not happen, but rather it was a vision of what could have happened, of what should have happened, but never in fact did happen. The Jewish people should have di- should have journeyed directly from Sinai 
to the land of Israel in just a few days' journey, clearly fulfilling their vision, their destiny. But instead, this vision crashed on the harsh rocks of reality. Rebbe goes on to say in that Gemara that these verses are considered Sefer Bifnei Atzma, a book unto themselves. This is another Sefer of the Torah. And what we have through this amazing presentation of the Gemara is the idea that these verses do not describe what happened. They do not describe history as was. They describe history as it was supposed to be. And what they force us to realize is that the Torah gives us both. It gives us the vision and it gives us the reality. It gives us the elevated sense of what could be and it gives us the harsh, messy reality of what actually is. And it says to us, not just for the book of Bamidbar, but really for all of Jewish history, to understand that these two things operate as one with another. That there is the vision, there is the dream, there is the goal. And there is the tragedy that the goal, it's not achieved. Or at least it's not achieved in some sort of straight, linear direction. But rather it can only ever be attained, not through a few days journey, but rather through 40 years of wandering, 40 years of trial. And it is the hard-won way which gets us to our destination, rather than a straight and simple route from wherever we are going to wherever we are heading. Everybody should have a wonderful day.